Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual in counseling and discipleship. Hello, we are back in studio for part two of Parenting 14 Gospel Principles by Paul Tripp. And uh, the last podcast, I would encourage you uh, before listening to this one, go and listen to uh, the the first one where we hit calling, grace, law, inability, and identity. Uh, very key aspects of the principles uh, in that. So you muted my mic. I did. I told Why? You. Oh, that's because I was crunching earlier. You didn't like the sound of that. Yeah. Uh, she was chewing a mint. And it was minting my eardrum. <laughs> so, um, oh gosh, it was good. It was good. It yes, was good. I'm doing great. Great, awesome, great day. Awesome. Ready to move forward. Good deal, Jeremy. How you doing, brother? I'm doing excellent. Thank As you. he also put something in his mouth, I, won't, I won't crunch. It won't crunch. No, it's okay. I promise. You, you don't struggle with just wanting to bite it and just Mm-mm. chew it. Really, no, I, you no, just let it I'm dissolve. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're off to a crazy start. No, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Phone's going off and everything else. It's all good. Anyway, uh, like I said, um, go listen to the first part of 14 Gospel Principles where we went over calling grace, law, inability, and identity. In this particular podcast, we're going to be hitting uh, five. Nope, six. No. Six through ten. Oh, you're saying five more. Yes. Not the numbers. Yes. Yikes. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. So our, our bantering so is all full of error. That's the extent of our bantering. Anyway, um, so number six is good. Wait, are you saying I'm full of error? <laughs> Not A-I-R, error. Oh. Error. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine people listening to this. Y'all must really love me to kind of. But here's what's interesting. I bet they're like screaming, just get started. Actually, what's interesting about this particular Intro is that what we're starting with is process, mm-hmm. and us starting off has definitely been a process yeah, in this start, episode. Should we start over? No, we should okay. not, because as I read the principle, you'll know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Number six, process. You must be committed as a parent to long view parenting because change is a process, not an event. That is probably one of my favorite principles in this entire uh why because you ask us to be patient in the process of your change yes <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah my inability to listen to crunching um but no in all seriousness though um you know as 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 parents when you know we look at you know in our previous podcast when we were hitting these other uh realities of grace and law and inability and identity and everything all of that stretched out in the reality of a process. And oftentimes when we parent, we reduce parenting to an event instead of looking at the full scope of which even going back to in the previous podcast, uh, you know, Jeremy, you had alluded to Titus two, right. Mm -hmm. And uh, just realizing that training in righteousness uh, training is a process, right? You train, it's a process. So parenting in the, in the same respect is it's not event driven, it's process driven and our parenting should reflect that. So, yeah. Any thoughts? I think that's a very powerful principle also um, because it's very easy as a parent to get caught up in the event in the moment. And again, fail to recognize this is, this is a moment in a, a larger story. And, um, the process, as we said in, in the last podcast, is dependent upon 
um, the divine, sovereign timetable of a holy God that loves our children more than we do. And so when we just begin to, to discipline based on event, we're trying to assert our own, as Paul Tripp would say, self-sovereignty in the moment. Um, and things tend to break down pretty quickly as a parent when that happens. Yeah, it's good. I think also, you know, there there's a part to where we can have, as a parent, un, unrealistic expectations. You know, say mm-hmm. we catch them in partying, per se, you know, as an example. And they're disciplined, and then we just think all of a sudden they're never going to want to drink or party again. So it's more about, yes, addressing that moment of what needs to what kind of instruction and discipline needs to come from what event is happening, but where's the follow-up and the expectation of, of, or, you know, not putting expectations that they're now all of a sudden after this instruction and discipline, they're never going to want to do this again, right. but more so realizing that also I've had where, you know, they've, they've, kids have been honest with me and saying, well, like, I don't know how to do that. Like, tell me how to do that, where they need to actually maybe have lingo and communication prepared that when they're in the moment with their friends, how do I respond, mom, dad, in this moment with my friends to communicate what I hear you wanting me to communicate? So I'm with you. I hear you on that. But then allowing us to to help guide them in the aftermath of what's going to come after that event. Does that make sense? And so I think that's part of the process too, and realizing that the change of their heart or their desires is not going to happen overnight. And quite honestly, the change that we want in our own timing is not, uh, might not align with God's timing. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to also as a parent put trust in what that looks like. If we have to instruct and discipline them over and over and over realizing that there might be differences within that communication, but it's still, it's on mic too loud. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wish like in our everyday life, you could turn my volume down like that. Like no. you could control the tone of my voice. <laughs> it's called checking out. It's an instant muter. It, it doesn't regulate volume. It instantly mutes. It just goes straight to mute. <laughs> like, uh, what's that Adam Sandler movie? Remember? Oh, click. Yeah, click. Where you can just fast forward me yeah. talking or meet me. You go into pilot. I could have been. I was making a good point right then, and you distracted me. No, I realized right, the I'll level. Pass, I'll pass the mic. No, 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 no. Your point was good. It was just, I realized I had the levels a little too loud, so I had to bring the fader down a little bit. Because, um, you know, you and I tend to, we're, we're just naturally loud people. And so our faders need to be a little lower than everybody else's. <laughs> I think it's it's encouraging the parent to not get frustrated if they might have to have the same type of conversation over mm-hmm. and over and realize that, yes, you're reacting and responding at this particular event, but this might be a, a, a whole process that you need to communicate and teach your children um, how to handle the aftermath of then when they go back to school or how they're having conversations with friends or yes, how to actually say no in this particular moment, like giving them, like actually teaching them and letting them know the lingo. Like I remember the moment when my son didn't, I looked as pumping gas at a gas station or using a debit card at an ATM, like as common sense, like it seems to be self-explanatory. Like that's not something that you would have to teach. (laughs) And yet I remember those moments when he didn't realize how to do that. He didn't know how to do that. Mm. So I had to like stop for a minute and teach him how to do that. And I saw how simple this process was that I still had to teach him, him had to learn. So why, when we're in these major types of 
life events or whatever that our kids are having, that we just expect them to know those things as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that this process principle is a really good reminder for us to remember when we're in counseling, well, ourselves, obviously, but in counseling, communicating to our parents, encouraging in the local church, those who are in youth ministry, those types of things, that we are patient with that, making make the, that change as a process. No, that's good. That's good. Um, what's interesting about starting with process is really the next principle, which is lost. Mm-hmm. As a parent, you're not dealing just with bad behavior, but a condition that causes bad behavior, which precedes that it's a process because in dealing with a lostness, it's not, it's not presuming that, Oh, the behavior is there. I just have to modify it and condition it. No, there's a condition within that's causing the behavior. Yeah. So that, you know, it's just interesting uh, just realizing because of that lost state, which when we say lost, the reality is sin. That's what, that's what he's, that's what he's referring to there. And that, you know, with sin, it's, you know, our mind, our feelings, our actions, our thoughts, all of it. And that's part of the training and the, um, the, the part of what we were going into with the, the first, the last podcast with calling grace, law and inability and identity, all of that culminates in the reality of lost. And so we start here realizing they're lost until they come to faith in Christ. Like I'm, I'm helping identify, I'm helping them identify the sin within. So it's not this superficial level of behavior modification. I'm the reason why it's a process is because I'm trying to get down to the root cause, the root level, mm-hmm. which is the heart. Yeah. So, and even even when our children come to faith in Christ, yeah, the power of sin is broken, but the presence of sin is still there. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that that lostness remains. And listen to how Paul describes the war. And if we would just look at at our children and help our counselees look at their children with this in mind, it really sets the stage of of this whole di- uh, whole idea of uh, process and lostness. He says this, but I say uh, in um, Galatians 5, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so there is a, a, a war going on inside every child's heart. If, if they're lost, then obviously they're just pursuing the fleshly aspect of this. But even as believers, we have to constantly be reminded that my child, I'm so caught up in this behavior that I don't like or that I disapprove of, but this little child is in a, or this teenager is in a cosmic war that is confusing and difficult and sometimes feels despairing. And then he goes on and enlists the particulars of the flesh uh, and the particulars of, of the fruit that comes from the spirit. But it also sets the stage for uh, chapter six, verse one. As you begin to understand human nature from a biblical perspective, it sets your attitude in place um, to do what he's, he instructs in chapter six, verse one, brothers or parents. Uh, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Right. Um, how applicable is that to, to parenting? And then keep watch over on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his 
then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. So just understanding our children's heart and that lostness really can, has the, that's the whole context where Paul then begins to say, well, and when there is transgression in life, you, you instruct and you correct with gentleness and don't forget you're just like your child and you have the capacity to do that. And if you forget that and you make yourself more than you think you should be, then you'll probably enter into a sinful place in your parenting. Mm. No, that's good. Which naturally this flows into the next principle, which is authority. Mm. One of the foundational heart issues, which is kind of what we were talking about with the reality of that lostness, heart issues in the life of every child is authority. Teaching and modeling the protective beauty of authority is one of the foundations of good parenting. That is the unfortunate reality uh, as part of, you know, the reality of loss being loss is that their, their, their struggle, their constant propensity to go against the authority in their life. Um, you know, when we talk about terrible twos or what, like these different times in adolescent years, what's happening is you're working with them and helping them understand the authority that's in their life. And they know naturally that you're the authority, which is why they fight against it, right? Just like we have a natural propensity uh, to, to fight against God's authority. Mm-hmm. And when we, so, you know, get in this again, all of this goes back upwards to the reality of the calling and realizing that. So when we're parenting, we're, we're, we're considering all of these principles, like these principles literally um, would be a good time or an encouragement for parents to uh, put this up in places where their kids can see this too. So that as a family unit there, we're all realizing that, Hey, we're all being transformed by the same truth. Mm-hmm. Now I have, I have authority over you right now. It's delegated authority as my child. And so I'm, you know, back to Titus where I'm, I'm trying to train you up in, in, in what it means to be godly. Mm. Um, so it's, it's cultivating and helping, giving them, uh, just, a a good framework for the reality of authority and that it is a good thing to Paul's, uh, to, to Tripp's point here, uh, the protective beauty. I like the way he says that mm-hmm. the protective beauty of authority, uh, is one of the foundations of good parenting. And so I would, I would definitely say that, uh, which, um, moving, unless you guys have any right, other yeah, thoughts. I did just okay. really quick. Cause I know that we're limited on time, but you know, my, can you turn my mic up? You don't, you think, you think it's too low? Well, your, your mic, is that you like your headphones or Turn. like your fader, like where, what everybody else is going to hear when they hear the podcast? Like, you know. Okay. So the, the thought here is on the authority <laughs> part of realizing that you're, this isn't to be taken advantage of. My encouragement would be sometimes in our frustration and the way that we see it and what we want for our kids, we can almost demand things. And so my encouragement to the parents, the counselors out there that have those that they can encourage and in the church is to realize that this is a gr- these are great opportunities for us to model leadership. And so what that would look like, you know, as for just an example would be if something has happened with my child and um, it needs to be more of an open discussion. So I don't need to enter into the room doing demands and yelling on what you should have done better, but I should listen and ask good questions in a way of hearing why they made that decision. Um, what are their thoughts about the decision? Do they believe that there should be consequences really open up the avenue of giving them a warm environment to be able to communicate 
whatever is going on. Now, this doesn't have to just be from a discipline standpoint. This just could be any area of their life, right? Um, any types of emotions and feelings and those types of things that they're dealing with. And then as a good leader, as I've heard that, then I then respond more directly and I'm able to give better spiritual wisdom and in speaking into them, into their lives or what they're wrestling with directly. And then together, we obviously come up with good consequences and, and discipline that, that goes accordingly. Does that make sense? So to me, my authority isn't something that I am uh, abusing, but in a way that I'm using it as a way to groom and model good leadership. And hopefully they'll learn from that and, and also have, and that will play out into their life, but in a way that it's still authoritative where I have the final answer. So even though if you feel like there's no consequences, we're still going to kind of come up with an agreement here. And so I think that there, there's a way that I think that's why the world is getting so um, scared about the word submission. And I, you know, that obviously is a separate podcast that we probably should maybe go more in depth in addressing. But I think that this can be a very healthy term if it if the authority is used wisely and under uh, this, you know, God's God's leadership. Yeah, no, and that's that's actually because I was I was actually going to speak on that, what you, you know, in light of what you were just sharing, just the reality of submission, you know, uh, where there's authority, there has to be submission. Otherwise there is no authority. There's no point of authority. Um, so for us in, in both cases is it, it's not only positional authority, you know, from parent to child, but it's also a delegated authority. And I think that's where the reality of grace comes in and helping our, our kids, especially, you know, depending on where they are in terms of age, as they as they get older, and to your point, grooming that, grooming that, helping them understand that there is, there's always going to be an authority in their life, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be this positional reality, mm-hmm. but realizing with that positional reality comes a delegated authority under under a biblical worldview, mm-hmm. and helping them establish what that looks like and what that what that's supposed to be about. So that's mm-hmm. good. Any other thoughts on that, Jeremy? Just just a brief thought here. So. If a parent is, I would always want to ask a parent, what, what is your conceptual understanding of authority? How do you view authority? How would you define authority as a parent? What are your assumptions when you hear the word authority? What assumptions do you bring? And so it's the difference of, of these two things right here. Um, a parent can look at authority in this way. You, my child, will and must obey me, period. And that becomes the foundation. Uh, versus... Uh, hey, you're my child, and it is very safe and good to obey, and it's going to be a challenge to do that. Um, but this is the best path for you is to obey mm-hmm. your authority. So those are very, very two different attitudes that yeah. parents can bring to the table. The first one, you're painting yourself into a corner because guess what, parent? Your child's not always going to obey. Mm-hmm. And so then you're putting yourself in a situation that that is not going to be favorable for you as a parent. And what's interesting is that goes back to the inability problem. Yes. Like that's when that's if, if as a parent, you're struggling with the, the first example of that, of that problem with Mm -hmm. authority and like, I'm your parent, you must and will listen. Otherwise there, the consequences, you don't even want to know what your consequences are going to be. If that's the posture of our approach to authority with our kids, then we probably need to realize that our, the inability that we have to do it. And it goes back to that so that, yeah. It's good. Um, and then number nine, uh, moving along here, we've got foolishness. And in this principle, uh, foolishness inside your children is more dangerous to them than the temptation outside of them. Mm-hmm. Only God's grace has the power to rescue fools. Um, 
Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the reality of law and grace. You know, um, the the fool, uh, you know, and, and this goes back to authority. I mean, a fool is always obstinate to authority. Yeah. I mean, they're always against authority in any way, shape, or form. You could give them the, the best, wisest counsel, and they scoff at it, laugh at it. Mm. It's silly. It's whatever. You know, it's that's the posture of, of, of foolishness. And mm. um, realizing, though, in the parenting reality of that is it's – it's the it's what's inside the child that's more dangerous to them than the temptation outside of them because this you know theologically speaking there's no there's no temptation if i don't have a struggle for, with a desire from within first it has to be present within in order for it to even be a temptation mm-hmm. right yeah um that's right so yeah listen to paul's words when he's talking about the human condition uh and this makes sense of paul tripp's Uh, principle here. This is Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have been turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And every human born into this world is in that condition. And, uh, you know, the the secular community uh, embraces this idea in the developmental psychology world that's uh, that rests on John Locke's idea of the tabula rasa, that we're born these blank little innocent slates, and it's life that, and it's the things outside of us that begin to corrupt us and and mess us up on the inside or helps us develop. But that's a very different worldview than than what we just read, where yeah. we are born worshipers, we are born with allegiances, and outside of God's grace rescuing us, our number one allegiance will always be self. Yeah, and that and that kind of goes back to the reality of neutrality, like mm-hmm. what you were talking about with Locke. That I mean, that's coming from a place of neutrality, where right. the biblical worldview says no, mm-hmm. no, the new the there is no neutrality coming out starting in this world. It's 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 within. Yes, which what makes outside more of a problem because it's already within, mm-hmm. which then becomes a temptation, and mm-hmm. thus the opportunities of foolishness. Right. And then so it's from a parental perspective in that is realizing. And again, all of this is about bringing an awareness to the reality of our call to parent from a gospel perspective and realizing that foolishness is within. It's not these it's not the stuff on the outside that's happening. It's not, you know, no, it's not arbitrary out there. Mm -hmm. It's it. No, it's, it becomes a problem because it's within first. And so that's why the shepherding is what we're called to do with the child's heart, because that's the problem Yes, it's, the foolishness already exists in the heart. So, mm-hmm. um, Sean, any thoughts on that? Well, I just like, I like Paul's question here in this chapter. He said, the question is, are you capturing these glory moments with a mission to rescue your children from their foolishness? Mm. And really how he's defining foolishness in a lot of this ways is just that rebellion, you know, seeing something that's good as bad and a lot that you already said. Um, and so I, I think obviously that's, that's good and that's, that's important. 
Yeah, good deal. So the next character, and this will actually be the next character, the next principal, uh, which this will actually be the the last principal uh, that we speak to in this podcast. But in closing, the last principal character uh, is not all of the wrong your children do is a direct rebellion to authority. Much of the wrong is the result of a lack of character. That's a good qualifier, you know, to, to some of that struggle with authority. And I think that's where, uh, as parents and then even as counselors, when we're, when we're talking with, uh, parents who are struggling in their parenting and where their children are, uh, this is a good realization that going back to the part of the, the, the process principle number six, that developing character is a process. You know, it's obviously exhibited in the event. You know, you can see the extent of the process of building character by way of event. It doesn't go the other way around. Mm -hmm. And so for this, you know, it's, is it a, is it a character issue? Is it something that just needs to be developed? You know, obviously there's a, you know, the, the heart is the wellspring of, of a person. Uh, but when they're young, part of parenting and training them up is to help develop that character. Uh, that's, that's within just as foolishness is already within them. Uh, so is character and developing, you know, it's, it's kind of a both and it's not an either or like, Mm -hmm. it's something that, you know, they, one needs to be mitigated Mm -hmm. and made war on and the other needs to be cultivated and edified, which is character. Um, so again, coming to the forefront as, as, as a parent realizing some of those means, which is all done through grace, but, um, well, my initial thought when I read this was, you know, obviously just the the old nature versus the new nature. And yeah. so how are we doing that character development, which is really about, um, you know, the new virtues and, and qualities and, you know, being made in the image of Christ. That is really what we want to strive to and pray for, for, for our kids and how we want to encourage those in the counseling room and in discipleship. Obviously, Jerry mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was on this podcast or the last one where, you know, in sanctification, we're not free from the presence of sin, right? But obviously through justice justification, the power of sin we are. And so I, I love the the thought of that, of realizing that it's not like your kid's not going to make bad decisions or, you know, do things that are wrong. And, and not all of them are pure, you know, rebellion, which rebellion is really the root of sin, but um, just the character development of just how, you know, my son just recently started dating. And so we're having different conversations now about just how to care for someone else and show that compassion and being patient and have those types of conversations. And so, just the normal development of how we're parenting. But then as I look at how Paul is kind of talking through in this chapter, I thought this was really cool where he says and and got me thinking. So that's really where I initially went. Right. And so now where Paul is, uh, Paul Tripp in this book, he said, uh, your children don't so much need character management as they do worship realignment. They don't have, they don't first have a character problem. They have a worship problem that produces a character problem. And so, um, so they really do need truth that has the power to set them free. So now where, where he just brought me in just reading this particular quote was the thought of, you know, how we always attack the sin, you know, where someone's coming with me with, you know, young girls are coming to me all the time with how they're experiencing new feelings within their body and, and maybe wondering if I, I, I like how this girl looks and I kind of want to look like that, but I'm also wrestling with, am I attracted to that, like sexually or, or the other types of things, right? So uh, immediately, you know, we want to start talking to those types of behavior when really we need to talk about the heart and where, you know, um, 
really what's going on with inside that will lead to the behavior modifications versus starting with the behavior first. I don't know if that was a good example, but just the whole thought process where I love how he went to the worship realignment. Mm -hmm. He has such a good way with the words and bringing it kind of back to the center. And it actually, um, did you have anything else on that, Jeremy? Yeah, just uh, quickly, uh, second Peter one kind of, you know, this is the way the Bible looks at us as Christians is, um, we are in a process lifelong of development. Uh, and ultimately that if we're believers, that development is into a very specific character, the character of Christ. Um, and second Peter gives us a, a, a little glimpse. I'm not saying this is the recipe or anything like that, but it, it's definitely good wisdom uh, that illustrates this idea of, of, of character development. Um, and he starts with, with the heart, his, or he starts with a promise. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and excellence. So even as we're parenting our children, as it regards character, uh, that we have to remember what this is all about. And it's ultimately about God's glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his very, his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. So there's that character that we're all pursuing through his promises having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, pointing back into the heart. For this very reason, and here's the process of character development, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. And self-control is where we're often looking to help children get better. Uh, But there are things that that Peter mentions before self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brother, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So the final thing that he mentions there is the same thing that Christ said is the ultimate for all of us, and that's l- learning to live lives where we are loving God and loving others. It's really good. Um, I th- I think not not only that, and you know where Paul uses, uh, you know, in Romans one would be a good scripture to also read. Um, but I think that this is a book that all of you should really buy and kind of dig into a little bit deeper. I actually think that the last couple of podcasts, if if we're really being honest, we've given a lot of we've given a lot of nuggets um, that really could almost be its own podcast, if that makes sense. And so this might be something you want to kind of re-listen to. Um, But one of the things that I did want to make sure that I left you with, because this is kind of the last um, principle that we've talked about today is one of the things I will communicate um, is the, from a character standpoint, one of the things I will ask a parent, like in the counseling room is I kind of go with this mantra of try to teach, not tell. And so I'll ask the parent, okay, if you weren't just going to tell them not to do that, tell, let's rethink, let's reword it in a way that you teach your kid not to do that. Right. So an easy example would be, you know, we're obviously going to all tell our kids not to do drugs, but instead of that's just a tell, that's a tell command. Don't do this versus how would we reword it, reword it if we were going to teach them why not to to teach them to make the decisions themselves to not do drugs. So now when they say no to that particular, when it comes across their path, they're owning that decision. They're not just doing this because my parents said not to do it. I'm not, I'm not doing it because I understand that this is a part of the character that I don't want because my worship is aligned with the Lord through that. I'm, I'm, I'm building a, 
the characters and the things that we had already talked about. And so how do we stop in this moment and teach our children to make those decisions versus telling them not to do that? So I know that that could play out in a lot of different ways in our lives, but that's just like one example. Um, but this is, I'm, I'm thankful that we've got the opportunity to just encourage you and wherever you're at and how you're serving the Lord in that way. Obviously, maybe as a parent yourself, but then just how you're counseling and discipling those around you and, and within the church. Um, again, the, the parent that, or the book that we're actually referring to in this podcast and the one before is called Parenting the 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Life. This is written by Paul David Tripp, and you can actually find this at our bookstore at christiancounseling.com. Uh, this book and among other books that we have hand selected that we think would be very beneficial for uh, you as a believer and your growth as a counselor and discipler. And so we just pray that this podcast has been helpful for you. Um, obviously, uh, becoming a member uh, of ABC is also a great resource for you to to have lots of uh, assessments and homeworks and training resources and things for to just continue to help you grow in this area. We think that parenting is so important. And one of the things I do want to say just in closing again is most times when parents bring me children, it's about, Hey, here's my kid and like deal with kind of what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to encourage you, if you're the one that's obviously the pastor or the counselor out there, yes, help the child, but always try to fit in your schedule a time that you can sit down with a parent because they're the ones who really is the ultimate authority here. And so you're not the replacement of what the parent should be doing. You're the extra and the goal for you would be to be able to encourage these principles within their hearts and lives so then they can serve their children well and be the one that's actually having the conversations that we're having with your children. I think that having those advocates and sub people in your children's life are essential. So don't hear me wrong on that, but I do believe that it shouldn't be the the go-to. And so I want to help the parent be able to communicate these things. So yeah, the, the parent is the one who's delegated to bring the sustenance of truth. The church is there to help supplement the sustenance, you know, just like in, I mean, diet and even in, in our dietary uh, dieting and, and nutrition and, and all of those it's the same principle. Um, if I can't live off of supplements, uh, I can for a very short period of time yeah. before it becomes a problem. Yeah. And l- l- spiritually speaking, it's the same thing when it comes to parenting that God made you the parent for a purpose. And there was that particular calling, which is the first principle. And all the other relationships to Shauna's point are supplement to, to help. They're not the source. And so just remember that not, um, not, not to, not to belittle or uh, speak, you know, and, and negatively about that. Just, just to—it's a good reminder, though. So, well, thank uh, you for joining us today. And Michael, we'll put everything in the show notes. And uh, until then, keep speaking the truth. Mm-hmm.